What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. I hope everyone's having an amazing week, and happy Friday. The NFL Draft is obviously in full swing right now, but we covered the business behind that on Wednesday's podcast. So today, I want to talk about one thing specifically, Deion Sanders and Colorado. Now, I don't necessarily want to talk about the football side of things. A lot has happened since he's been hired in December. True. But I want to talk about the business side of this move and what it means for the admissions office and everyone else. So let's get right to it. All right, so most of you probably already know what's happening with Deion Sanders in Colorado. Deion was the coach at Jackson State University before this. He was there for two years. He essentially turned that program around. They went eight and four the year before he got there. They went 23 and three the following two years. He then gets hired by Colorado this year to be their new head coach. They're paying him $30 million over five years. It's the most they've ever paid the coach. And the athletic director actually said at the press conference, we don't even have the money yet, but we'll get it. AKA, they're going to start talking to boosters, try to raise some money, and they're going to pay him his contract. Now, look, I'm not worried about them paying him his contract. They'll figure it out, and you're going to see why. One, this made sense for Dion, right? Look, he was trying to get a higher position job. Some people were mad that he was leaving an HBCU, saying that that was his intention the whole time. He never wanted to stay there. A lot of the stuff he said was just bullshit. And I don't want to argue that that's not true. But at the end of the day, if you want coaches from schools like that to get better opportunities, that's exactly what he's trying to do. If he succeeds at Colorado, he proves that other coaches that can recruit like him, other coaches that can coach like him, other coaches that are putting up similar records like him at those levels can coach at higher levels. So I don't get the sense that that was a stupid move. We know that was his desire all along. He made that very clear that he wanted to coach the highest level of football possible. He's getting his chance at Colorado. And Colorado is not like some football powerhouse. They play in the Pac-12, but this team sucked before Dion got there. They were 1-11 last year. 1-11. They won one game the entire year. One game. And it came in October. So the season started in September. It went to December, and they won one game in October. 10 of their 11 losses last year were by 23 points or more. They lost to Oregon by 40. They lost to USC by 40. They lost to Utah by 40. And they lost to Washington by 50 points last year. The team was absolutely terrible. They were atrocious. That included losses to Air Force, Minnesota, UCLA, Arizona, California, Oregon State, Arizona State, and so many more. Again, the team stunk. And to give you a little bit of perspective about what's happened so far, Dion made waves when he got to Colorado. And everyone saw the press conferences and he said, look, I'm bringing my luggage with me and it's Louie. Y'all need to get the hell out of here if you're not a good player. If you're not ready to compete, if you're not a dog, you need to get out of here. And that's exactly what he has done. So a lot of people are freaking out on social media right now just because a bunch of the players are gone, right? So the other day there was like more than 10 or 15 Colorado players that hit the transfer portal in one day. So the transfer portal has has changed college football. NIL combined with that, it's a drastically different universe than it was a few years ago. I tweeted something essentially saying like, it doesn't feel like amateur sports anymore. And the truth is it, it really hasn't for years but they're still playing under that guise of like amateur sports. And the reality is, look, there's free agents now. You can enter the transfer portal. These schools can contact you. They get their collectives to guarantee you a certain amount of money. And you go to that school. That's pro football. If you don't want to be treated like a pro, that's college now. That's what it is, right? You all wanted it. That's what you got. And that's how it is. So Dion is using that to his advantage. He comes to Colorado. He says, this is a team that's one in 11. I don't have five years to coach you up, try to turn you around and make you that much of a better of a player. I need athleticism in here day one. Day one, I need those players in here. 
So what is he doing? He's gutting the roster. He's absolutely gutting the roster. If you look at just the transfer portal since he took over in December, we're only talking about four or five months here. 40 kids have entered. He has sent them to the transfer portal. So it's not kids saying, I don't want to play here. He's saying, enter the portal. You're no longer going to be on this team. 40 kids he's done that to. More than 40 kids. Only 20 of their 83 scholarship players last year are now on the team still. 20 out of 83 are still on the team. That's a huge difference. A massive, massive, massive difference. And he was on the Pat McAfee show on Wednesday of this week. And they were basically asking him like, hey man, what's going on here? A lot of people are freaking out. A lot of people are hitting the portal. Is this your doing? Is this their doing? Are things falling apart? Are they try- are there moves going on here? And Dion was like very open and honest. And he was like, look, I'm turning over the roster. I told these kids to go to the portal. I want some of them to find other schools that they can go play at and stuff like that. But ultimately, they're not going to be playing here. They're not good enough for my team. They don't have the mindset that I want. He actually even referenced that none of the players are talking crap or talking shit to each other in practice. He's like, I have Travis Hunter who was a five-star recruit, one of the best players in the country, committed to Florida State. He flipped him to Jackson State and now brought him to Colorado. He's like, he's out there talking trash every single practice. And some of these kids literally won't say a word to him. He's like, that's not how I play. That's not who I want on this team. Those players need to go. So he sent them all to the portal and we've already seen what he's doing. He told Pat McAfee, I got a list of guys that you're going to be seeing here shortly. Some of them, and I quote, are already at the airport that are coming in, that are going to make a world of difference. We're going to turn this roster around. So literally after that interview in the past 24 hours or 48 hours, there's been several different players announced. Three, four, and five-star recruits from other schools like Florida State, Alabama, Old Dominion schools that are good schools, right? Florida State, Alabama, these are four or five-star recruits that are big-time players that have played meaningful college football games. Now, they're coming to Colorado, which I just mentioned, went 1-11 last year. So they know what they're getting into, right? They're coming for the exposure. They're coming for the attention. They're coming to play for Dion. And we'll see what happens. We'll see what difference that makes on the field. But off the field, that's what I want to talk about because the difference is already happening. And I want to give you guys a little bit of insight into just the business of college football. You see the money throwing around. You've seen the collectives. You heard about NIL. You see the broadcasting contracts. You see all that stuff. That's not really like that secretive, but I want to talk a little bit more about the stuff that goes unnoticed. Some of the things that make a huge difference that go into the calculations of how much these coaches are being paid and why salaries have increased so much. Now, to put some context behind this, Deion Sanders has done a number of things. One, season tickets for next season have already sold out. That hasn't happened in like 30 years at Colorado. There's been a 700% increase in merchandise sales since he took over. Obviously a huge, drastically different world there from a merchandise side. They've gained almost a million followers across social media. Huge, huge, huge difference. Their spring game was the only spring game broadcasted on ESPN's main channel. The only one, Colorado. Alabama was on ESPN+, Plus. Florida State, all these other schools, they're all on ESPN+. Plus. Colorado was on ESPN. Not only that, to give you a little bit more context here, Colorado's spring game last year, I think they sold around 2,000 tickets. Sorry, they didn't sell the tickets. They gave the tickets away for free last year. It was free to attend the game, and they got 2,000 people to show up. It's a 45,000-seat stadium. They got 2,000 people to show up last year. This year, the complete opposite. I'm sure some of you saw that video on social media where it's showing the panoramic view of last year's stadium to this year's stadium, and that was the truth. Look, he got 45,000 people to show up to this year's game. Sold-out stadium. It had snowed the night before. He was actually trying to get them to change the game to the following day because of the weather. He couldn't believe it. He said he walked out of the tunnel and he was shocked. He's like, we sold out the stadium. I knew we sold out the stadium. But sometimes people say they sell out the stadium and they don't really sell out the stadium. 
they sold out the stadium. 45,000 people, the place was packed. And not only that, the media attention was off the charts. Again, for context here, there was like 40 to 50 media members at last year's game. There was over 300 media members at this year's game. So a huge world of difference, not just local media, but national media. ESPN was obviously broadcasting, but people from all around the country flew into Boulder, Colorado to attend the spring game, see what was going on, talk to Dion, et cetera. The place is alive and well. They are pumped up. The social media chatter has been insane and the Dion effect is real. But more importantly, Dion Sanders' biggest impact is going to come in the admissions office. Let me explain. And I'm going to explain with an example about Nick Saban. So Nick Saban got a new contract last year, and he's now the highest paid coach in college football again. So he makes $11.7 million a year. Kirby Smart is second at Georgia, $11.25 million. Lincoln Riley at USC, $10 million. Brian Kelly at LSU, $9.5 million. Mel Tucker at Michigan State, $9.5 million. So Nick Saban, over the last decade, when you add up all of his money combined, he's made about $200 million. By the time this contract is over, he will be 79 years old when the deal ends in 2030. And he will have made, since 2007, since he arrived at Alabama, he will have made $32,000 every single day for the last two decades. $32,000 every single day for coaching Alabama over the last two decades. Now, obviously, that's a lot of money. And you say, hey, look, he's won championships. This school is a perennial powerhouse. It has made the world of difference. He's the best coach in college football, perhaps college football history. He deserves every penny. And I would argue you are correct but it's not for the reasons you might think. This episode is sponsored by SoFi. SoFi is the all-in-one finance app, helping you bank, borrow, invest, and save. SoFi's mission is to help members achieve financial independence and realize their ambition, all in one app. It's the single app you need to get your money right. I'm a SoFi member and I love it. SoFi is legit and they comply with the strict regulatory standards of the FDIC, so you can be sure that your money is safe. Visit SoFi.com slash Joe Pompliano to learn more. That's SoFi.com slash Joe Pompliano. All right, let's get back to this episode. Some of you have probably heard about the Flutie effect. Doug Flutie was a Boston College quarterback who successfully threw a Hail Mary to beat Miami in a nationally televised game in 1984. The country was captivated, and that athletic success led to a 30% jump in applications at Boston College over the subsequent years. 30% jump because of the TV attention, recognition, the newspapers were talking, TV, et cetera. All that attention led to a 30% increase in applications. And there's other examples too. For example, application jumped 13% at Auburn after Cam Newton led them to a national championship in 2011. Florida Gulf Coast saw a 27% increase in applications after advancing to the Sweet 16 as a number 15 seed in 2013. So in simple terms, the general idea is that athletic success can lead to an increase in applications, enrollment, and therefore tuition money. Alabama is no different. Nick Saban has built them into, like I said, the most dominant program in college football since arriving in Tuscaloosa in 2007. They have won six national championships. They played in like eight of, I think, 14 title games. They've recorded double-digit wins every single season since 2007. But more importantly, they are constantly on national television being watched by millions of people and talked about all over ESPN and every other network, which in turn has a trickle-down effect on other parts of the school. For example, when Nick Saban arrived at Alabama in 2007, the school had a total enrollment of about 25,000 students. That number has increased to more than 40,000 students today, meaning that the applications or the, the enrollment at the school has jumped over 60% 
and it's significantly outpacing the 10% increase that the average U.S. public college has seen over the same period. So again, the average college in the United States since 2007 has seen enrollment increase 10%. Alabama's has increased 60%. It's gone up tremendously. We've seen this across similar schools like Kentucky, who has had basketball success, and Connecticut with their basketball team and their women's basketball team. So again, Alabama has drastically added more students. But more importantly, it's the type of student that matters much more than just the increase in enrollment. Not only has Alabama increased its annual enrollment by about 60% since Nick Saban arrived in 2007, but the composition of the student body has also drastically changed. In 2007, the majority of Alabama's freshman class was composed of students paying in-state tuition. So students that live in Alabama decide to go to the University of Alabama. They get a discounted rate for living in the state. But today, only 40% of new students are from Alabama, with over 56% coming from elsewhere in the United States and the remaining 4% being international students. So if you look at their chart, and there's two lines, one being in-state students, one being out-of-state students, they flipped since 2007. So they've added thousands, thousands of -of out-of-state students. And I'll explain why this is important. It's important because they pay more money. Shocker. Out-of-state students pay three times more in annual tuition than in-state students at the University of Alabama. Out-of-state students pay $30,000, more than $30,000 a year. In-state students pay about $10,000. So when they've added 12,000 students over the last decade, equaling up to 22,000 students today, they've added hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in value to the university solely through tuition, solely through tuition, right? These people are paying four years of that tuition at an advance rate of $20,000 more than normal. And again, there's other factors that go into this, but it is undisputable that the impact that the football team has on recruiting, on media attention, on marketing, on PR, all that stuff, it is a huge, 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 huge factor. And it's the main reason why you could argue that Nick Saban is one of the most underpaid coaches in America despite being the highest paid college football coach in America. His term at Alabama has been worth billions of dollars to the school. It has transformed the university and it is making a huge difference. And I want to get back to Dion here because he has the opportunity to do something similar. Now, look, you can say Nick Saban is the greatest of all time. He's won championship after championship after championship. Deion Sanders is not going to do that. Maybe, maybe, right? I don't know. You don't know. No one knows. But ultimately, he has a chance to make a huge financial difference at Colorado. And the easiest way to look at this is what he has done so far. Obviously, all the media attention is good. He has sold out season tickets. The merch sales are up. Social media following is up. And if you just look at all of that in comparison to kind of how the school was before, he's obviously already making a drastic difference. So people can criticize him for jumping from the HBCU. You can criticize him for making kids leave in the way that he's doing it. Some kids are saying he won't give me practice tape. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. It's not normal to give kids practice tape when you when you let them transfer. Sure, there's some coaches, I think Jim Moore at UCLA was saying, just do it, who cares? One single clip, they're not going to be able to tell about your offense, all this stuff. No coaches do this. Tons of coaches have chimed in on Twitter saying, we would never do this. Why would we do this? You're not going to go out and cut individual highlight clips for every kid out of that you're letting transfer. That's going to take hundreds of hours of work. You're obviously not going to send them the full tape. God knows what's going to happen with that if you're showing other teams your plays and stuff like that. So look, I I think he's probably being a little bit more harsh than he needs to be in some of these instances. But Dion has always preached that he's going to tell you straight up what he thinks, no matter what, if it hurts your feelings or not. Some people really appreciate that and some people can't handle it and don't like it. 
I understand both. There's no right or wrong way to do it. I'm just saying that's his approach and that's what he's doing at Colorado. So you can blame him for a bunch of these things, right? You can say it's not the right move. You can say that they're only going to win a few more games next year. You can say A, B, C, D, E, whatever, right? There's tons of things that you can complain about when it comes to Dion and the way that he's doing things. But you cannot say that he's not going to make a difference financially at the University of Colorado. The numbers when it comes to Nick Saban and the process of the Flutie effect says that he will. His approach is going to be worth hundreds of millions, if not potentially a billion dollars or more to the University of Colorado. Then paying him $30 million a year is one of the greatest business deals in college sports right now. I'll say, look, he's getting $30 million a year. That seems like a lot of money. The athletic director literally said, we don't have the money to pay him. When this thing's all said and done, if he can turn this football team around, get nationally televised games, win games, play meaningful games, be on the national stage, he is going to be worth 10 times that, 20 times that, 30 times that to the University of Colorado. And my guess is that it's going to happen. Look, the easiest way to explain this is that college football has changed over the last few years. You used to bring kids in. It was most important about recruiting. You would recruit like hell. Nick Saban would go to these schools, these high schools and say, I have a thousand guys that have been to, to the NFL. I'll get you there. You're going to win championships. No spot's going to be given to you. You're going to have to earn it. Come to my school. I'll get you to the NFL. You'll get paid. Best recruiting pitch you could possibly have. You're going to win a Heisman Trophy. You're going to win a national championship. And if you do everything I say, you're going to get to the NFL, you're going to make a lot of money, and you're going to be able to take care of your family. Now, that's not necessarily the case anymore. Sure, recruiting is important, of course. That's never going to change in my mind. But now you can almost treat them as free agents, right? You're moving kids out. There's all these other people in the portal. You're able to negotiate essentially with them through collectives, how much money they're going to be making through NIL. And they agree to the deal and you bring them in. It has completely changed the way that college football operates today. And it's completely different than it was a decade ago. So people online complaining that he cannot develop talent and change the trajectory of a program on his own through his actual coaching. This is all part of coaching now. Coaching has changed. You have to be a recruiter. You have to be a salesman. You have to be able to network. You have to be able to convince players to come to your school. You have to be a thief of some sorts, right? Because you're stealing them from other schools in some sense. That's just the way that the college football landscape is right now. Dion is playing the game. I don't think that he should be reprimanded for that. And I think ultimately what we need to do is we need to give it one to two years to play out and see what happens. Again, this team won one game last year. If you want to complain and say that he's kicking 40 kids off the team or any of them any good, look, I get it. I don't want to be harsh either. But at the end of the day, he's trying to bring in talented players. You can't sit here and tell me that guys that he's bringing in that were three, four, five-star recruits from Alabama, from Florida State, from these other schools are better than the kids that he's letting go that were on a 1-11 team last year, some of which did not even play. It's obviously going to make the team better from a talent perspective. The real concern is going to be how he can coach them up, if they can win more games. The Pac-12 isn't a walk in the park, right? It's not guaranteed that they win 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 games. I think the over-under right now is like 4.5 or 5. So that's where I would set the line. I think they'll probably go a little bit higher than that, depending on the, the schedule, but not much higher than that. It's a tough conference. You have Oregon, you have USC, you have Washington, you have Utah. You're playing UCLA. They played TCU last year. They played Arizona, Cal, Oregon State, right? So like you're playing good teams, but you have to win games. And he's bringing in the talent that he believes can win those games for him. And I don't blame him for the approach that he's taking. Again, college football has changed. But most importantly, if you were to get one thing out of this episode, it is that Deion Sanders is worth hundreds of millions of dollars, potentially a billion dollars plus to the University of Colorado if he can win games. It'll bring increased admissions, therefore increasing the standard of applicants and increasing the reputation academically of the school. 
That's what happened to Alabama. It's happened to many other schools too that have had athletic success. And my guess is if he can have athletic success with the football team at Colorado, it will do the same thing because the social media numbers don't lie. It's already happening. All right, that's it for today. I hope everyone has a great, 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 great weekend. Enjoy the NFL draft. Try to get outside a little bit. I know I will be. I'm actually going to be traveling this weekend for a wedding in Annapolis, Maryland. So shout out to Maryland. I hope everyone has a great time. Enjoys the weekend with their family, friends, whatever you're doing. And we will talk on Monday.